You're listening to the B&H Photography Podcast. For over 40 years, B&H has been the professional source for photography, video, audio, and more. For your favorite gear, news, and reviews, visit us at bnh.com or download the BNH app to your iPhone or Android device. Now here's your host, Alan White. Greetings and welcome to the BNH Photography Podcast. Are you a subscriber to our show? Thank you. We love you. And if you're not a subscriber, fear not. We <laughs> still love you. But you know, we'd love you even more if you head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, Stitcher, Radio Public or the B&H website, and subscribe to our show. It's free, it's easy, and like the right wine, it goes perfectly well with both fish and chicken. Today's topic is point-and-shoot cameras. You know, those simple, no-nonsense, push-a-button-and-then-you're-done cameras we used to carry around before smartphones turned the photo industry upside down. Our point-and-shoot cameras history, the numbers are down, and they don't make as many models as they used to, thank goodness, but the cameras that do remain are the cream of the crop, and these are the very cameras worth owning. Joining John Harris and myself today is Christopher Williams, one of the more outstanding pro-photo sales personnel in our New York City Superstore. Christopher is also the host of Lens Therapy Live on Instagram. That's a live photo counter Q&A. It's like he can't get enough of it here. You go home and you just... <laughs> Gotta bring it with to, me. Just, that's it. It's, 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 it's Do you wear the vest? <laughs> no, I leave that at work. <laughs> but that dress is lovely. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Chris is going to be uh, uh, we'll bringing the store. <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't. Um, <laughs> Chris is going to be bringing the uh, point of view from the store because Chris deals with uh, with our customers every day, and you are listeners, you are our customers, and so it's kind of like nice to get feedback of what's happening in the store because we sit around here and we could. Talk about it all we want, but uh, we get real stuff from the store. Before we start talking shop, let's first define what a point-and-shoot camera is. Historically, point-and-shoot cameras were typically simple, compact, if not pocket-sized cameras with a shutter button and little else. They were best used outdoors on sunny days using a film or sensor rating of at least ISO 400. And if you went indoors, you had to use a flash. They were simple as long as the sun was shining, the pictures would came out great, well, they came out somewhere between okay and nice. So what qualifies as a point-and-shoot camera today? According to the Gospel of B&H Management, a point-and-shoot camera... <laughs> you like that, huh? A point-and-shoot camera is any camera with a fixed, non-interchangeable lens. This means that when you say point-and-shoot around B&H, you're describing everything from a Vivitar AquaShot underwater digital camera, which retails for a nickel under $20, to Leica's amazing Model Q, a full-frame 24-megapixel point-and-shoot with a fixed 28 millimeter F17 spheric Sumalux lens, price $4,495. By the way, I will mention that the $20 Vivitar can shoot 12 frames a second and you can use it under 10 feet of water, and you cannot do that with a Leica. There. (laughs) (laughs) Better not. You better not. Full disclosure I am personally an avid smartphone user, and I'll be the first to admit I've taken many photographs with my iPhone that, photographically speaking, are pretty darn good. I should also mention that I cannot order a pizza with my Sony, nor does it do phone calls or texts. So there you have it. Um, Chris, who is buying point and shoots? Descri- on a typical day, what are the range of customers you have and what are they looking for and why? 
Well, it's usually people who have uh, a very specific need nowadays, whereas before it used to be the catch-all camera where you would get it for your everyday photos, your family photos, your vacations. Now it's, I need a camera to take with me to safari or I need a camera for the kids to use around the pool and not have to buy a new one every day, you know? Right. So they have a much more specific need than they used to in the past. By the way, hold your thought. I just want to go over. We broke down point and shoots into four basic categories. You could do it more or less, but this, these are the ones that worked. We have one group is the tough, rugged, waterproof cameras, which are man manufactured by a bunch of companies. We'll go over all of these cameras after our break. Uh, then we have the bridge super zoom cameras, uh, which have different size sensors, and they have zoom lenses that, you know, 10x plus up to 80 plus uh, uh, power. Then we have advanced compacts with fixed focal length lenses and advanced compacts with zooms. So those are the basic categories. So that said, continue, sir. So like we said, most of the people um, have a very specific need. So the, the all-purpose point-and-shoot doesn't really work anymore. Everybody needs either a really large sensor because they want it to supplement their bigger camera they're used to shooting with. So it's a pro getting a backup camera uh, that they can fit in their pocket. That's actually a question I have. Do you still see mm -hmm. pros and advanced amateurs coming in and saying, I want a point and shoot as my second? We don't really see them anymore, but I imagine <laughs> that they're probably buying them online because right. they're pros. They know kind of what they need and yeah. what they want anyway. Yeah. I think there's so, no doubt that pros are using these cameras mm -hmm. and using them on assignment as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's these people. Yeah, yeah, there's people using these uh, for any type of, of shot that they need. And what are they going to um, be using then? They're going to be using one of the Sony RX cameras. Uh... Those are usually the most popular if you're looking for quality, because mm -hmm. Sony just packs those cameras with so many features and um, with such high quality features too. They're not just throwing everything in there; they're throwing really uh, powerful features into them. Um, and people have I can't remember if I've heard of it or not, but I'm sure people are using those as you know, backup cameras for weddings. You know, I know other people in the store who've used uh, NEX cameras to shoot weddings. And now it's not very far removed to go to an RX100, you know, Mark three or five or whichever. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask a trick question. It's not okay. really a trick question, but it's one I ask a lot. Do we sell any cameras at B&H that are, ex with, with the exception of view cameras and specialty technical cameras, do we sell any cameras at B&H at the consumer counter that, that you would say are not point and shoots mm. in other words is there a camera that we sell that you, you cannot, cannot put on to program and, and autofocus and have it be a point and shoot literally where you aim push the button and your picture is taken no i don't think so even the yeah. fuji you know cameras that have no like automatic setting you can still set the aperture to auto and the shutter speed to auto and iso to auto and still get yeah. program essentially so when yeah. people say to me i want to buy a camera that's simple and easy to use i mm -hmm. say good you just opened yourself up to every camera yeah. we sell here yeah let's narrow it down now <laughs> yeah now now what are your needs mm -hmm. okay and i think that's where we get into what the differences are between each of these categories exactly can i jump to the the super zooms because i find that one of the more interesting categories of point and shoots given that they they kind of with this idea of a long lens are the, the antithesis of a point-and-shoot, right? I mean, the idea of a point-and-shoot is generally, a, you know, a wide angle. You can just lift it up, get the group that you have in front of you, and take that shot. And, of course, you can with these. But are people out there buying these specifically for that long zoom to, to go on vacation or to at, for as bird photography, or, or who buys these? Yeah, the super zooms do definitely have a, a good market still because a lot of people will use them 
to shoot their kids at you know soccer practice mm -hmm. or, or at t-ball or whatever so they can sit in the bleachers and still get that really close-up shot that they can't get with a cell phone or with mm -hmm. anything else usually uh, because these super zooms will go longer than any lens you'd ever want to carry on yeah. any other camera right. and they go even farther than most lenses we can even sell you know and so now so why would people not why would people buy a dslr or a high-end mirrorless camera if you have this Basically, one camera does it all that will have a lens that can go from 22 millimeter to 800 millimeter, which is, it's, we have them, yeah. okay? Even 2,000 millimeters. But what separates these cameras from the mirrorless and DSLRs that you can buy comparable lenses for? A price. Well, At a price. No, I'm, well, I'm, I'm leading up to something here. Well, the, uh, <laughs> the main reason would be that um, you can zoom farther in a smaller package because the lens is optimized for just this camera. It's not interchangeable. And it's one lens. You're not carrying right. eight lenses with you. Yeah. So and it's all already way. built in. You don't need a bag full of separate lenses. That's what that's what people want. They don't want yeah. to have a second thing to carry Nobody. around, right? Even yeah. with an SLR, they're yeah. like, oh, I don't want to change lenses. I'm right. like, well, that's like getting a car and not changing gears. Right. Like, right. It's just right. built right. for that. Right. You know? right, right. But back to the point and shoot idea, I mean, when you zoom out this lens and you're trying to get your kid playing soccer halfway across a field, it's not really a point and shoot camera because you're not just pointing and shooting. You need to stabilize it. You need to kind of know what you're doing. And if not, it's not effective because the you know they're, they're not getting in enough light. That's my experience. There's always blur unless you really know what you're doing. Well, that's another thing too. It's like if there's a limitation to these, with the exception of the highest end uh, super zooms, which open up to about f2.8, at least at their, at their widest focal lengths, you go indoors at night and you try to shoot an indoor soccer, you know, basketball game, whatever, you're in trouble. And that's one of the things that I've, I've had a lot of people come back to me. They, they say, I want to buy a camera that does everything. Well, I give them a little list of these will do everything, but don't take it indoors. Right. Okay, because they just die. They can't. They cannot yeah. focus under low light. Yeah, and that's the trade-off. Everything that you pick in photography is going to have a trade-off somewhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the biggest thing with the bridge and super zooms. They cannot get enough light most of the time um, for indoor shots. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. if you're shooting your kids on stage, you know, it's usually yeah. not good yeah. enough. Or if they're at a basketball game, it's usually just not getting enough light down that long, long lens in order to not have a blurry, unstable shot. But if that, the sun is shining, you've got yourself an amazing mm -hmm. piece of equipment mm -hmm. that will do a lot of good stuff. Do you have stuff. people that bring them back with that complaint and say, or I don't even know if you see the returns, but the people come back and say, hey, I thought I could go you know, bird shooting with this and, and get a great shot of a, an eagle or, or my kid mm -hmm. you know, at, a, at the basketball game, and then they find out that they can't and they bring it back disappointed? Is that uh, something um, that's as common as I think it might be? Well, we don't see it too much, um, or I at least don't, because we definitely try to let them know the limitations mm -hmm. before they walk away with it. Sure. So we'll tote the benefits of having a huge long lens that weighs you know, ounces rather than pounds of any other interchangeable lens you would buy. And you're able to do anything and everything you want on a vacation. You, you can get a huge wide landscape or you can zoom in on a bird in a tree, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes uh, hundreds of feet away. Right. And uh, the downside then we would say, with all those benefits, you can't really use it indoors a lot. So if you're trying to shoot a, a birthday cake with candles, somebody blowing it out, it might just look like a muddy mess because mm. it's just not. And do they have a stabilization? Most of those cameras, most of them do nowadays because yeah. you'd have to at 600 millimeter yeah. or more. 
it would just get so shaky like a telescope if you mm -hmm. just tapped on it. It mm -hmm. would just be we way too much. We have cameras that go up to the equivalent of 1,000 and 1,200 or even 2,000. Yeah, the Nikon okay. uh, You cannot handhold those. I don't care how good the image stabilization is. That has to be on a tripod or some kind of a, a camera support. And also, forget about using an electronic finder, a little LCD in the back. Excuse mm -hmm. me, forget about using an LCD on the back. You need an electronic finder, something you can get your eye up close to because mm -hmm. they're, they're impossible to use otherwise. Yeah, it's it would too really, much. it would cut down on a lot of lost shots. Yeah. You know, or getting lost, trying yeah. to find the yeah. shot. If you're following a bird yeah. and it moves, you probably have to zoom back out just to find it again before you can zoom back in. Yeah, those cameras have been a mystery to me, always. Yeah. I'd like to hear from people out there who use them and, and are happy with them, you know, if there's anybody listening that wants to chime in. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting, yes. Well, we definitely hashtag, have... Hashtag BH podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a guy, uh, Steve Moore, who works yeah. at the counter too. Oh, sure. And he's been using these super zooms for years. He, he started with the Canon uh, H... Uh, was it the 50 IS? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, that. I think, yeah, yeah. The yeah. HS50 IS uh -huh. or something like that. And then he went to the 60 and he was a little disappointed with that one. Then he went to Nikon. Now he's got the Sony uh, Super Zoom and he just swears by it. He loves it. It's the RX10 uh, Mark IV, I believe. And uh, he's been using them for years and mm -hmm. years. And he's the guy who uh, is always pushing forward this idea because he can walk up to somebody with a monopod and a 400 millimeter lens and he'll say, Let's let's have a shoot off, you know, mm -hmm. and he'll mm -hmm. he'll try to outshoot them. And right. a lot of times, it'll be faster. It's lighter, of course. He'll get the same shot just about because the aperture on a four or five or six hundred is usually four or five mm -hmm. to six three. You know, it's not uh, anything great that we're used to with smaller lenses. And he has a stack of prints, four by six I've prints, <laughs> where he has a before and after. So he'll be like in his kayak shooting a landscape, and then you'll see in the photo he's got this little red circle. And you're like, oh, what is that? It looks like it's a log in the water. And then he's got the next photo zoomed all the way in. And it's like a turtle on the log, like a quarter mile away in the lake, you know. And he is able to catch both photos that are just worlds apart yeah. as far as the equipment would usually be. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, it's very impressive. And it, it works to show the customers the, the maximum benefits of having these cameras. But it's always outdoors. It's always well lit. It's sunny. He's yes. not doing, you know, an indoor concert. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be terrible uh, yeah. or it would be very very difficult yeah. to do instead yeah i always found also that the 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 form factor is problematic you know just given the the weight and, and trying to keep it stable but uh yeah. but that's another conversation but they, obviously they have yeah. their value and and they're they're doing well right i mean they're mm -hmm. i mean this is kind of part of this conversation which is you know what remains after the after the the floor fell out of yeah. point and shoot cameras, <laughs> after the you know, smartphone landed, yeah, what it, yeah, exactly. And uh, and needless to say, this is one of the types. And and I, what I, what my favorite is the rugged, you know, point and shoots, the tough cameras. Yeah, which, I've been pushing those for which, years. Yeah, which seems yep. to have really kind of stepped up, and it it makes perfect sense why because cameras, especially small cameras, break easily. I know one of the things that gets me crazy with most point and shoot cameras is that to keep to protect the lens. They put these little thin metal blades that as soon as you turn the camera off, they shut down. Yes, they keep dust and everything, off, but they're very easy to break. I mean, you stick it into your and pocket jam. and something, that's it. You've got to repair. Where these underwater cameras, they have glass portals in front of the lens, and it's nothing's going to break. You yeah. could throw it into your bag. They're meant to be trashed within limits. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say I... I, I Anybody who has kids, I'd say if you're buying a, a family car, these are perfect because the, you give it to a two-year-old, they could throw a fit and it's not going to break. 
Um, you know, uh, it, you, they could go through anything. You could take them to the beach, take them to the pool. You know, the, the, the camera could fall into the soup at dinner. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I suggest and, you and, rinse and, it. And I guess you're also seeing an uptick in, in sales of those or an interest in those? Not necessarily uptick, but it's been pretty constant. Uh-huh. Um, and having that portal at the front of the lens is basically like having your UV protector exactly. built into the point and shoot. And if there's a smudge on the lens, you see it. Yeah, I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Olympus has the the TG5 and mm-hmm. that series, which are really good cameras with RAW and, you know. Yeah, the best uh, uh, aperture too. And yeah, mm-hmm. a very, you know, a wide maximum aperture. I'm surprised that the other manufacturers haven't kind of stepped up and, and made almost an elite version of those tough cameras yet. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's basically been Olympus's game to lose for a number of cameras mm-hmm. now with the TG3, 4, 5. Um, they've always just had an F2 aperture every time, and it's been very, very bright because uh, you'll lose light quickly underwater. Um, and they always just seem to have the best features, and this 5 is even going a step beyond what they normally do, and they've thrown in 4K, and they've just really amped it up even more than the usual upgrades have been. My personal favorite, uh, I have a TG850. It's already been replaced mm-hmm. by two other. I think we're up to the 870 now. But what's beautiful, that it has a 21-millimeter equivalent lens. Mm-hmm. And it's terrific for interiors and landscapes. And it's oh, yeah. tiny. It's so small. But mm-hmm. I've taken that thing all over the place. And I love it. Yeah. Before we jump to what I guess is going to be the heart of this conversation, which is the, the premier point-and-shoots, the kind of high-end, can we talk about the, the the opposite of that? These Vivitars, and ironically Kodak and Polaroid branded cameras, which sell for under fifty dollars. Which I think back in the day was the kind of camera that a lot of people would go and buy. They didn't want yeah. to spend a lot of money on a camera. They just get this for their vacations or whatever, because everyone wanted a camera around. Of course, most of them have been replaced by a smartphone. But how do those sell? I mean, are, do people buy those? It's it's almost for. It seems odd to me, but... Yeah, if you have a phone, why would you buy one of these? They don't really anymore. It's <laughs> it's basically the smartphone in camera form, and it's really bottomed out. It's it's kind of gone away. But people do still buy them, or they're maybe starting to buy them again for their kids. That's the super cheap little camera that you can introduce your kid with to having a lens and a shutter button. And, and if it's trash, it doesn't getting, matter. Right, and then they're not losing anything. It's um, it's not even like dropping the iPad, you know. It's it's just something that's um, less catastrophic, you know, to lose if it does break or or get, you know, food smudged all over it or something. Mm-hmm. What's the most commonly purchased point in shooting? Again, we have a broad range of cameras here from little basic nothings to multi-thousand dollar cameras. What is your, your experience? What is the most commonly requested camera? What what camera do people walk away from the counter with? Which yeah, and I think that's is most important. That's the difference. There's um there would be a few options before you added that uh, clarification because a lot of people will come in asking, of course, to see the Leica. They want to see the Leica Q. They want to <laughs> touch they really? it. Okay. They want to breathe on it. They want to you know know that it really. <laughs> that's exists. all I could afford to do with it. Yeah. Also, I, I, I touch oh, it and too. I breathe on it, and that's it. Yeah. I hand it back. <laughs> and um, they just they want to see it. A lot of people deposit before they get to touch it. Right? Yeah, they they want the spectacle of this super expensive tiny little camera. And take a selfie with it and then give it back. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Yeah, um, and then as far as what people actually walk away with, uh, it's usually the Fuji uh, X100 series, the uh-huh. X100F mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. or the Sony RX100 series. Yeah, um, I've used them both. They're they're both terrific cameras. Mm-hmm. What have happened to those kind of middle range like? The G, 
well, the G9 and, and the yeah. Elf series and all these. I mean, I know there's low-end versions that are under $100, but then there was always that kind of set of cameras that cost mm-hmm. between two and 400 Yeah, like say. 199 yeah. or 399 Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the, are they... It seems that those of what has gotten lost in the shuffle. They kind of have. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that there's still a lot of them around, yeah. um, but they really don't seem to sell as far as the store is concerned because yeah. people usually want either really small and cheap or really small and high quality, mm-hmm. and the middle just kind of disappears. Yeah. Right. You know, There's not as much yeah. uh, room for them. Yeah. Sorry, just speaking of small and cheap, these cameras we're talking about, the, the Vivitars, etc., there's about 30 of them on our website still. So they must, somebody must be buying them, no? Yeah, it's, uh, well, a lot of them are probably different colors. Yeah, I think they come true. in five or six colors yes, each. Yes, that's another thing, true. yes. So that's one thing. Um, and by the way, you know, I think yeah. that's also worth mentioning of why people are still buying these, is that it used to be you'd buy a camera to take pictures. Everybody's taking pictures with their phone right now. However, just like people buy fancy cases and colorful cases and fun cases for their phones, a lot of people are buying cameras as accessories because a lot of them on their own are just neat looking things that you want to have, you know, in your bag or hanging on your belt or available. They're just accessories to whatever you're wearing or wherever you're going for that day. Yeah, that's very true. We actually had a customer come in uh, maybe just a week or two ago uh, with one of my colleagues and he was kind of just having to, to turn away and laugh a little bit because he had these two uh, younger girls who were shopping together for one of them to get a new camera. And it kind of came down to the point where, well, this camera matches your outfits more, and this one matches your apartment more. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a whole different category or you know, characterization of a camera that I never would have considered because right, right. I don't care what it looks like. It's what the output is. You know, yeah. What's the photo going to be? Um, but matching it to your your purse or your dog or your outfit or your apartment is also an option for people. Pentax a couple of years ago went through that those mirror they were mirrorless cameras really officially, but with that whole range of like a hundred or different combinations of colors. Yeah, and, uh, I don't know what the Q Q series I think they were. I don't mm-hmm. that, that they, they also no no they did with they some of their K cameras uh-huh. too. Uh, at one point they had like a hundred variations of different colors that you can yeah. do. And I, that was the Q series, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know that in the Asian market, it was huge, mm-hmm. um, and I oh, think yeah. that's where a lot of it started. Or it's even a customization. You know, yeah. people choose different colored phones too, right. and it just uh, makes it a little more tailored to you and your taste sure. and style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the high ends, because that seems to be at least in our what we deal with is kind of what is the the most important or most mm-hmm. interesting thing in point and shoots. And uh, first of all, how many Point-and-shoots have a full-frame sensor right now. You have the Leica the Sony. Q. You have the Sony, Sony RX1. RX1. Right. I think that was the first one. Yeah. The original RX1 was yeah. the first. That was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's it, right? Yeah, as far as I know. Me too. I don't know them Yeah. Yeah, by Sigma calls themselves no. full frame, but <laughs> well, yeah, the Sigmas are always interesting. Sig- yeah, 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 and, and we they're should in the talk list about here. the the, the Ricos too. Those are a lot of people like those GR cameras, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But um, Canon just came out with their G series that has an APS-C size sensor, mm-hmm. which is a step up, I guess, maybe to compete with or just improve their cameras or compete mm-hmm. with the Fuji. Um, but those have been great cameras, the G series. You know, I guess you still call oh, yeah. those high end. Um, and those, would you say it's fair to say that you're seeing an uptick in sales of these kind of cameras or at least stabilized sale of these? Definitely a stable, consistent sales. Mm-hmm. Um, not really an uptick. Uh, most, the biggest growth I would say in cameras um, 
would be mirrorless because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people are either going up to mirrorless from their phone or down to mirrorless from their heavier SLRs mm-hmm. if um, they're not really shooting commercially or sometimes even if they are uh, because you get the smaller, lighter form factor and still interchangeable lenses and, and manual controls and all that. Seems that the the future for point and shoot is still kind of unwritten. I mean, mm-hmm. whether from above with mirrorless or from below with smartphones, they're they're just facing it on both sides. It's, yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. look uh, very good, but <laughs> um, there's still these specific reasons to get them, like the the rugged cameras yeah. or the super zooms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think those are really going to disappear until the smartphones catch up to those features too. Yeah. Um, but I think at least the super zooms are are ways off, and even the high end point and shoots are still pretty safe for mm-hmm. now, but definitely the middle range and the low end have just been eaten up. Yeah, yeah. I well, think another big difference also, something you have to keep in mind, is that from an operational point of view, um, all of these cameras that we carry, just about all of them on, on the list they'll be going over, you can use them as, as point and shoot where they're in program mode or aperture or something that's automatic, um, or you can use them completely manual, and that's something you still really cannot do with a smartphone, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. There might be some that with certain apps you could emulate things, but with a smartphone, it really is truly point and shoot because there's, you just touch the shutter button and it's doing everything else. You have a lot of controls post because you could do all, I mean, I'm amazed how much adjustment I could do using my iPhone to uh, pictures I've taken and mm-hmm. greatly improve them quite often. Um, but it's all post, whereas I cannot go in walking into the situation saying, okay, this is what I want to get out of it and set the camera to deliver it right up front, the kind of picture I'm looking for, be it shallow focus or deep focus or saturated or whatever the case may be. Now, don't you think it would be kind of neat if there was a little slider, even an electronic one where you could go in in manual and adjust the shutter speed and apertures and in real time watch what happens, just like on a mirrorless camera, you can control all these things and mm-hmm. color balance. How many people would do it? I don't know. I would. Well, with smartphones, there are apps that let you control yes. those things, but usually natively in the phone itself with the little camera app that comes with it, it's usually more point-and-shoot style. Correct, yeah. But there's lots of companies making third-party apps mm-hmm. that are starting now in the last few years or so at least to give you controls over shutter and aperture, even white balance, um, but you have to go find them, and it's not always easy. Um, but you can get there now. So, of the like, you know, the cyber shots, the cool pics, uh, the elves. What is still? What do you still see being popular or being sold? That's kind of what you we would call that mid mid range point and shoot. Oh, in the mid range, um, it gets kind of lost. It's mostly the Canons that mm-hmm. would get sold then. Um, the the G. 3x, the G7x, 9x, all of those yeah. um, going up. They Canon still seems to to control the medium range, mm. um, while many other companies will get the outer reaches like Fuji and Leica will be at the top end, or Sony. Um, Canon doesn't have anything that's you know a four thousand dollar you know point and shoot by any means, um, but they kind of still have the presence in the the middle range there, and most of the others don't. It, yeah, it maybe would seems be to Canon. fall away from that a little bit. I mean. I've always had Nikon DSLR, but Canon or Sony or maybe soon Fuji point and shoots. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know why Nikon. Uh, I don't even know what they're putting out right now in terms of. They that. do have waterproof cameras, but it's mm-hmm. yeah, no, been the decimated. waterproofs. Yeah, first of all, it took a hit when they lost that DR line. They were yeah, ready to introduce that DL for like line. Yeah. three years. DL, yeah. yeah, yeah. That I think just sucked all the wind out of their sails. Mm. Um, a lot of things we, have, it seems. Yeah. Um, what do you see in terms of? Um, I guess a demographic breakdown. Do you still see like older folks coming in and asking for the point and shoot and 
anything along those lines that you can share? Yeah, that's still pretty consistent. We'll have um, grandparents wanting to shoot their grandkids, so mm-hmm. they want the simple point-and-shoot camera that they can get um, that's not too complicated. They don't want video or touchscreen or flip screen or anything. They mm-hmm. want more minimalist. Mm-hmm. They want an uh, Argus C3. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they want what um, what they were used to, you know, 10 years ago before all these extra features came out too. Yeah. And um, they're definitely going for the simpler approach. Um, new parents will be getting, you know, either a point and shoot or maybe a mirrorless to get introduced to photography and step up their game for all the new newborn photos they're going to take. Right, you know, right. as we were talking earlier, we used to always get questions like, "I'm going on vacation in two weeks. You know, what camera should I buy?" Mm-hmm. And they were thinking, you know, a mid-range point and shoot, uh, but those questions don't come anymore, do they? Yeah, we still will get people going on vacation. Um, it seems like nowadays they're less prepared. Though it'll be, I'm going to the airport in a few hours. What camera do I need? If it, if maybe taxi's, that's changed. The taxi's at the curb yeah, waiting. Yeah, I made them wait. <laughs> the meter's running. Uh, that might be changing. But uh, they will usually um, be looking for a travel camera, and it goes to high-end point-and-shoot and up. There's mm. not really the middle ground for them anymore because they'll go for a super zoom if they're doing a wildlife safari, you know, or... Um, going to you know Alaska or something, and they want to get those long distance shots, or if they're just going to Europe, they just want something that'll get the scenery. So then mm-hmm. they'll get usually um, either a low end or high end point and shoot, or go up into mirrorless if they want to do interchangeable lenses. Uh, but still, the medium range kind of falls away. And you'd mentioned um, the flip screen, which for me, for the longest time, was my the main draw for a point and shoot for me. I love pulling that out and being able to shoot waist level, and. Uh, are there any features on a point-and-shoot that mirrorless and DSLR don't offer that, that are still a draw, even for a, maybe a more advanced photographer? It seems to be that the manufacturers will experiment more with their point-and-shoot lineup before moving things up, um, where maybe in the past it was the opposite, where usually the high-end cameras had all the new features and the latest things, yeah, it's, and they would it's trickle, trickle up down. technology. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I think it stems from the older companies like Canon and Nikon, where they think, oh, Wi-Fi, nobody needs Wi-Fi. That's something the kids are using. And then eventually, Wi-Fi is in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they think that there's certain features that pros don't need. You know, Pros don't need a built-in flash. They don't need Wi-Fi. They don't need touchscreen. But more and more people are expecting it because their cell phone has all of it. Right. And they're used to having a touchscreen every time and a flash if they need it. And they are just used to getting more and more features. And when DSLRs kind of lagged on that, it uh, I think it opened the door a little more for mirrorless, for mirrorless and for yeah. point and shoot yeah. To, yeah. to keep coming in. Um, and I think that may have turned some people from SLRs back to mirrorless and high-end point and shoots too. Uh, because they seem to think that pros you know, were too good for things like Wi-Fi and, and touchscreens. And now you've got it in the latest and greatest full-frame professional cameras, you know, mm-hmm. and even getting 4K into them now too, mm-hmm. um, when they thought the video was an unnecessary extra feature in the list of 30 things that they were adding. Right. Yeah, yeah, I remember when, <laughs> when, when video first came out for DSLRs, everybody said, well, huh? Why? Now your phone <laughs> does 4K. It's like, it's, it's right. you know. It's, overpa- it's surpassing it. Is there times. a camera that's come out in the past year or two that you said, wow, this is awesome and nobody asks to look at it and it's not selling? Are there any, any bombs out there that surprised you when they came to market? Well, um, anything that usually makes a big splash seems to be from Sony lately because they seem to be pushing a lot of boundaries. And sometimes they'll have cameras like the RX-1, RX-10, um, now the RX-0. That's what I was just going to ask you about, the yeah, RX-0. Yeah, where they come out and it's very high 
quality. It's super powerful. It's doing way more than any of its neighbors, and nobody knows about it or nobody hears about it, um, almost because Sony a lot of times is competing with themselves, it seems. Oh, yeah. Where they got better, but yeah. Yeah, they're just doing so much all the time so quickly that they almost saturate their own market and their own customers, but they're always giving you more and more and more, which I kind of like. I want a company that's trying to better themselves all the time instead of Canon and Nikon where it seems like they get around to it when they have to or when they're starting to lose or market. Or when Sony says, okay, we're going to sell you this technology now that we're moving on. Right, yeah. <laughs> we'll give you the last-gen thing now that we've got this new one coming out. Yeah. How about point-and-shoot uh, film cameras? I mean, you know, instant cameras are coming back, and even oh, yeah. Kodak has this, uh, what is it, the Printomatic, which is a, a digital camera that'll that spit name. out an image. Yeah, Printomatic, yeah. yeah. That's not a 90s name at all. <laughs> and, That's uh, 50s. Yeah, yeah. Say. <laughs> So are there any uh, anything interesting in the film point-and-shoots? I mean, I guess these, you know, the Fuji Instax is a point-and-shoot if there ever was one, because that's all oh, they're yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, but <clears throat> and they're they're very popular and they're kind of coming back, uh, mostly because it seems uh, the younger generations are kind of going back to film mm -hmm. a little bit. A lot of them are mm -hmm. going to film uh, thirty-five millimeter cameras, and if they don't want to go all the way there, they're going to Fuji and Polaroid Instax cameras, and even to... some uh, disposable cameras I've seen mm -hmm. lately. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the only place you could really turn to right now if you want to have the satisfaction of spending three dollars every time you push a button. Yeah, right. You know, um, <laughs> you can hear the cash register every yeah. time. <laughs> but I wonder if we're going to see a point-and-shoot film that is not, you know, is not an instant camera and is not uh, vintage. Oh well, um, now the FM10, Nikon FM, right. that is the, really the only film camera still being manufactured. Right. Which also explains why we're we're having this resurgence of film interest in film, and right now prices for used film cameras good ones are going through the roof because they don't make them anymore. Right. Yeah. There's a limited supply, and uh, they can only be shuffled around so much. Okay. All right. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about specific cameras, specific point-and-shoot cameras. What's available in each of the categories? Stay tuned. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the B&H Photography Podcast. Send us a tweet at bhphotovideo, hashtag bhphotopodcast. Okay, we are back, and we're going to be talking about point-and-shoot cameras. Uh, we do have, as we mentioned earlier, we have like four different categories. But before we do that, uh, John just did a fast zip-through on his uh, phone. And on our website, you could filter through. If you go to camera categories, it's actually a point-and-shoot. And there are filters. You can go from uh, most popular to least popular, most expensive, uh, least expensive. And we were just curious to know what was out there in the, you know, uh, $100 to $150, the inexpensive generic point-and-shoots. And kind what, of the what, kind that we used to all buy. Yeah, <laughs> what, what we used to call point-and-shoots. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I just did that. I filtered low to high, and I'll just, you know, there are the, the Vivitars, which are down in the, you know, under $50 area, and they come in that clamshell, you know, casing that we... Yeah. But let, but Sony has their W, their DSC, the Cybershot line, the DSC W800 for 90 bucks. Uh... Canon still makes their Elf, their PowerShot Elf 180, which is a nice digital camera for 120 bucks. Uh, Nikon Coolpix L32, 100 bucks, and the DSC, the W830 from Sony, which is 115. So they're you know they're going up by 20 dollars increments. 
I would say five, six years ago, you would have had six to eight iterations of this type of camera. Sure. And now yeah. we're down to two or three from each manufacturer. Um, here's Codex offering their Pix Pro FZ43 digital camera for 65 bucks. Vividar, again, more Sony's. So they're out there. I mean, if you want a camera for 100 bucks that you can still put in your pocket, your shirt pocket, um, other than your phone. And if and the funny thing is, if you go back about 15 to 20 years and you look at the specs of these little cameras you just rattled off mm -hmm. here, okay, the most basic, generic, mm -hmm. plain vanilla cameras we sell, okay, those same specs... 15, 20 years ago, would cost you eight to $15,000, <laughs> and it would not well, be as good image quality. Well, let me, here's an example. Here's <laughs> the Sony W830, and it has a 20 megapixel, one by two thirds inch, well, it's a CCD sensor. You know, most, a lot of yeah, the cheaper, a lot of the ones, cheaper ones are, are CCD. Yeah, mm -hmm. A 25 to 200 Zeiss Vario lens. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're small, but this is, you know, you're going to, they're, the specs are better than most cell and phones. And okay. Especially in low light, at least. It's, oh, yeah. especially low light. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Outdoors, it's yeah. kind of an even playing field. You know, Lumix used to make, I mean, the Panasonic Lumix line is still is still viable. And here's, you know, a TS30 for 150 bucks. It's really nice specs. So, you know, yeah. they're still there. Anyway. Yeah, but phones are coming for them. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it seems more like a matter of time um, because the phones are getting better and better, I think, at a faster pace, too. Because yeah. um, like we saw with that chart that we looked at, the smartphones are in the trillions of dollars and cameras are still in the mere millions and billions. Yeah. So they're just way, uh, uh, they've just got way more capital to put into things to make, you know, the next iPhone even better than the last one mm -hmm. and much faster than the last Canon or Nikon point and shoot was. Yeah, I mean, I say it all the time, but, you know, when a new phone comes out, we never talk about how well it does, makes a phone call. We talk about the camera. Oh, yeah. Phone quality? <laughs> nothing. Sound, nothing. No comment. It might be in the small print, okay? It's a little PS as you're walking yeah, out the it door. It has a microphone. That's <laughs> it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, let's start off with our first category is the tough, rugged, waterproof cameras, which I love. I, for me, unless you're going to be going for something with and you need a longer zoom, uh, these cameras are the best. You can just toss them in your bag, your pocket. They don't get trashed. Um, and they're all terrific. You could drop them from five or six feet. They're freeze-proof, uh, waterproof down to at least six to ten feet, some of them 50 feet or more. And they do a lot of great things. And by the way, you know, just a little thing, I heard this from one of the manufacturers, I forget who, is that a lot of these cameras, when they say it's good down to like 15 feet, 20 feet, they're actually Weather seal, oh, they're water sealed deeper than that, but the problem is at a certain point, the water pressure starts pressing the buttons of the camera and renders it useless. It's oh, like wow. pushing all the buttons in at the same time. Yeah, you can't the base of the camera just shorts out. Yep. So it's the water pressure that, that's that's killing it. Hmm, hmm. Um, the I, next camera okay. we have here is the uh, um, the Olympus Tough TG5, which is a great camera. Uh, that does raw right out of the box. It's uh, not that many megapixels, only 12. Uh, but it's got a backlit CMOS sensor, a 25 to 100 millimeter f2 equivalent. And the reasoning for that lower resolution was to get the better low light sensitivity. So yes. it's actually a better sensor, mm -hmm. even though it's a lower resolution. Um, Olympus intentionally went down a peg uh, in order to get that to happen. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, low risk but larger uh, photons, which gathers mm -hmm. more light. Yeah. We've used this camera here, and mm -hmm. it does. It also does 4K video and uh, uh, up to 20 frames per second. I mean, you, have, you could eat a sandwich in the time it takes to process that, but it does it. Um, next one up, and I'm not going to go into detail on all this, is, my, again, one of my personal favorites. It's a TG870, um, and it's also, it's a few, I don't have the price, and it's only a couple hundred bucks. 
And uh, again, waterproof. What I love about this one, it has a 21 millimeter equivalent lens. It's a 21 to 105 f3.5. It's great. I love shooting with this thing. It's a ton of fun. Um, and it goes way down underwater and it's got a tilt screen and blappity bop uh, and it works real, real well. I love this camera a lot. Um, yeah, tilt screens you don't see too much on these cameras because obviously yeah. they can break off. Yeah, and the, and the 850 has one of those, yeah. which I make a yeah. lot of good use of. Nikon makes a couple cool picks. W300, W100, W300 being the, the, the higher end. That's mm -hmm. almost pushing $400. I've used that camera a lot, and I like it. I still have, I think, the W200 or the previous model, which I, I like. Um, and by the way, you're going to notice most of these go from anywhere, usually in the 24 to 28 millimeter to 105, 140. You're yeah, not going to find times. anything longer than that, 5X. And the reason for that is because they are sealed with those glass ports, these little zoom lenses, you, you, you can't extend. You yeah. can't extend. Yeah. So that's the price you pay for it, but it's well worth it to me. It's a specialty camera, but I, and again, for toss it to the kids, let them play basketball mm -hmm. with it. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Rico, WG50. Um, and Fujifilm, fine picks, XP120, all around the- I've uh, used a few of the Fujis. I've yeah, actually owned two yeah. of those over there. Those are also nice little cameras. Mm -hmm. I like the shape of them. Yeah. They're kind of fun. Yeah, and some of them come in, you know, colors, yeah. you know, for kids and most shapes. Most of them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, most all yeah. of these. If In fact, it looks like we have 80 pages of cameras. We have eight <laughs> cameras and 40 colors, <laughs> Yeah, which and, is fine. And yeah. one thing we recommend to customers is usually getting a colored one because- if you're in a pool and you buy a blue camera and you drop it, it's yeah. kind of hard to yeah. pick it out, yeah. you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or on the seafloor, <laughs> if you've got a black camera, right. it might disappear in some coral, you know. Right. So yeah. we usually recommend the yellow one, the orange one, you know. And, I, and I'll tell you, I'll also recommend for like another 15 bucks or so, most of these mm -hmm. cameras are available, if not this third party, with a wrist strap that has like a little vest on, of a yeah, floating vest, a little floating, floating strap. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, it'll, it'll support the camera. So those yeah. are great. Mm -hmm. Just wear them yeah. on your wrist and if you drop it, it's okay. It goes up. It goes yeah. up. That's right. <laughs> Probably if someone says, what's a vacation camera, that's the vacation camera now. Yeah. Right? Yes. Really. Because, you know, take yes. it to the um, beach, take it wherever. The port where the battery and the memory card go don't have a hair crossing over it or sand yes. or anything. Most yes. of them yes. offer a little warning, at least the ones I've seen. They, they say, you know, make sure this is clear before you, you know, you start right. the camera yes. up. Yeah. Because if that goes wrong, the camera's toast. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. So Which brings us to the warranties we sell. <laughs> <laughs> so Super Zooms and Bridge next? Can we do yeah, that? let's yeah. get on to them. Okay. Yeah, more of a specialty. Move forward here. Uh, yeah, these cameras are great. I, I, I recommend them a lot to people. Um, if there's a downside to them, by the time you get to the real full-size ones, you're carrying a full-size camera. Yeah. Yeah. It is not a pocket camera. However, mm -hmm. like we said up front, you could have a camera that you can carry around comfortably all day long that will take really good pictures with a focal range from the 20 millimeter something to hundreds, 800, 1,000, 1,200, up to 2,000, depending on the camera. Um, so there's, if you can't capture the picture under good light mm -hmm. with these cameras, I don't know what you're doing there's wrong. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. <laughs> well, nothing. The, the Cybershot DSC, and they still use the Cybershot name, DSC RX10 Mark IV, is it's a, a seventeen hundred seventeen hundred dollar camera? Yeah. It's real. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. takes phenomenal pictures. Right. It performs it, real well. It drops to f two, two point yeah. four, and it goes to six hundred millimeters. So you know that's a 
That's a great camera. Yeah, and it doesn't great. lose a lot of light. It's 600 millimeter. It's still an F4 equivalent. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's so one of you, the best. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can hand hold that, and it does 4K video. It does 24 frames per second, and you could pop the ISO up to 12,800. Uh, it's got a high def uh, um, EVF over like over two million dots, so you could look through it and actually see what's going on, and all the other and, and tilt screen, touch screen, the whole thing. It's a great camera. No two ways about it. How about the Leica V Lux, which will go to four hundred twenty-five to four hundred. That's I guess in this category, not so such a long range, but still, it's a Leica. Got a good aperture though. Got a great aperture. Two eighty four. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And four K video. And four K video. All right. Canon G three X. Nine hundred fifty bucks. Twenty four to six hundred millimeter. F two eight to F five six. See there, it's slower. See that. Yeah. And again, so my, my guess is it's also a smaller camera. Yeah. That's another thing. You want to have those wide apertures. That's what keeps the size up on these things. Mm. Panasonic has two Lumix varieties: the ZX one hundred. And the FC one thousand, both about seven hundred dollars, and uh, Leica lenses, by the way, mm -hmm. twenty five to four hundred or twenty five to two fifty, depending on which model you get, and they maintain their speed also. Nikon mm -hmm. has a Coolpix L three forty for one hundred and seventy bucks. That's down at the lower end, needless to say, but it might be interesting. And then they have the Nikon P nine thousand, which is. That one's yep. a 900. 900, P900, that's what I thought. So you have yeah. to replace that? Yeah. Then Nikon P900 for 579, which I know Todd did a, an article about a couple of years ago, which was a big hit, and it, it, I mean, it zooms to 2,000 yeah. millimeters. It's crazy. As far as, far as I know, that's the longest uh, yeah. zoom lens we've got. Yeah, yeah. Really after that, camera. you have to go to scope, like a rifle scope. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah. NASA. Yeah. And, I've no, seen, and by the way, you know, the Nikon used made the, the, these cool pics, uh, the 340. If you look at it, here's a $170 camera, but it gives you a focal range of 22.5 millimeter. That's real wide mm -hmm. to 630 millimeter equivalent. Now, it's, it's F3.1 to 5.9, so it's smaller and slower. But for $170, you have a camera that has a ridiculous focal range on it yep. that can take great photographs. All right, so yeah. look into those. Okay. Yeah. Um, we let's go to advanced compacts. Well, we have two categories: fixed focal length and zooms. Which would you like to talk about first? I'd like to talk about the zooms. Okay, because we were just there uh, to some degree. <laughs> yeah. Plus, okay. I think the best of the best are the fixed yeah. focal length. No, well, yeah. the most expensive too. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Alan. Well, the, yeah. the, the, we just talked about the other day the PowerShot G One X. Mark III, yeah. which is continuing the G series, which is, you know, one of the, in my opinion, one of the best point and shoot lines that have come out and they're still making them. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and this is the one that went to APS-C. So, you know, this is a good camera. I mean, it's just, you know, it offers the specs of a, of a DSLR or a mirrorless with a lens that you don't have to worry about changing. Now, here's something that's interesting that I noticed about, and it, it, this is one of my little bones of contention. We're talking about now the advanced compacts, the zooms and the fix. So for the next two groups of cameras, one of the things that gets me about it is that a lot of these cameras, they're phenomenal cameras, but if you look at the physical size and the form factor, there's no real difference between these and a full-frame camera as far as... Some of them. Some of them. Okay, now we get into an area where if you look at the camera, it might have a, a one-inch sensor or it might be a full-frame, and physically the cameras are about the same size. So that's when it starts getting me a little bit where we got all this camera... 
Well, we might as well stuff as much sensor into it. So that's one of the arguing. Uh, and I think one, it, one thing that's kind of as a like as a consumer, we if you want, let's say, a good camera, and that's a you know a really wide relative term. That's relative broad. term. Yeah. Uh, you know what you used to be able to pay three four hundred dollars for. Now you're being asked to pay seven hundred to a thousand for. You know if you want that kind of camera. I mean, you have your phone. Someone would say, oh, well, if you don't want it, use your phone. Or if you really want something, get a bigger DSLR or something. But a lot of people don't want that. They still want, you know, a point-and-shoot that takes mm-hmm. good quality images. But you got to pay seven, eight dollars $800 for it. Yeah, that's a good Well, point. how much did your last phone cost you? I mean, if you look at the list price, I mean. Good point. Yeah, we're all in the same ballpark. All right. Um, anyway. PowerShot yeah. series, the G5X, the G7. Canon's still putting them out. They're, they're, they're all good cameras. They're pumping them out. G9, they're, they're, yeah. you know. Uh, Lumex, always good lines, and you have the LX10. LX100 is a very popular camera, right? I've, oh, yeah, yeah I've used that. It's yeah. a great camera. Yeah. By the way, these are the same cameras that Leica rebrands mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. under their name for additional money. And Hundreds. by the way, you know, it's there. It, a lot of people say that it's kind of a joke that you know you're, you're spending more for that little red dot and the name Leica on it. And to a certain extent, that is true. However, um, I'll also say that. According to what I've been told, the Leica versions of these cameras, the um, color is adjusted to be more neutral. The If you were to compare the Panasonic and the Leica models that are essentially the same camera and you look at the files, you're going to have a different look to it. The, 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 the Leica version will be a more neutral color, whereas uh, the Panasonic will be a little more punchy and saturated. Well, the specs on these cameras, though, are pretty incredible. I mean, all about 20 megapixels, one-inch sensors. Um, or, or larger. Or larger, 4K, ISO, native ISO up to 12800 in some of them. And image uh, quality is impeccable, mm-hmm. and the build of these cameras is very nice. You're using real cameras, and, and you can get as hands-on as you want to with these. Touchscreen and, you know, and flip-out uh, screens. And then you have probably the most popular of this group would be the Sony Cybershot, the RX100 series. We're up mm-hmm. to Model 5 right now, which is $948. Um, and it's really – what I find amazing is that you could still buy all of the previous versions of it as all well. Five. All five. The, uh, the Model 4 is 848 The Model 3 is 698 Model 2 <laughs> is 598 And you can buy the original one for 448 And they're all great cameras. But they are just they have, still making the new, these? Or are I think they just you know, selling these are, I think they just have a lot in stock. I don't um, know. I mean, some of them are years and years old. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't I know how they're not still making the original one. I, why would they? Well, we still sell it. Um, so I'm not sure where it is along the production yeah. line, but they all do have their own flavor, kind of like the A7 line, mm-hmm. where yeah. they do have distinct enough features to keep selling them. And I'm sure they would discontinue some if they weren't selling. But no, uh, and by the way, the only thing I'll say is if anybody's considering these, yeah, for, the, for 448, the original is a, a gangbuster camera. Oh, yeah. However, personally speaking, I would say start at Model 3 because that was the first one that had a little pop-up electronic viewfinder, which means you could hold it up to your eye under bright light and carefully compose. And it really, it, it adds a whole new dimensionality to shooting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good point. One of the little things that they add that right. they don't, might not have this pop-up. Yes. You know. And, and by also, the way, a lot of these cameras that we're talking about here, if they don't have built-in, they give you the option of putting in an accessory electronic finder, which if you can, I think is a great investment. It just makes it that much better a camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with the RX100 line, I do recommend usually 
um, for photographers, the first or the second one, um, because the second one basically builds on everything the original had, but gives you a longer lens, goes yeah. about 30% farther. And then once you get into three, four and five, they took the lens back and started adding more and more video features once they got into full HD and then 4k. Uh, so it kind of just depends what you're going to be shooting. It'll really lead you right to one of the five most often. Model 6 is going to have a 3D printer built into it, by the way. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I got some advanced work on it. Yeah, and VR. You can photograph it and then reproduce it. Right. So, uh, <laughs> in the third dimension. Yeah. <laughs> Something that, and, and this is jumping away, but when we touched on it briefly, but action cams, you know, must have somewhat eaten into the market a little bit. And they are, as, as you mentioned earlier, point and shoot straight up because, or you're not even pointing, you're just wearing and yeah. shooting, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, it's really just turn it on so, and shoot, you so know? yeah, this is, and, and also they work for vacations, you know, so, yeah. you know. A lot of people yeah. are doing it. We get so many customers coming to visit um, who just walk up and say, I need a GoPro, right. you know, because that's like the Kleenex of action cameras. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and they're buying loads of them because it's, it is a very, very minimal um, point and shoot, but mostly made for just video. You can do some nice photos with them too, or at least take stills from it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just the set it and forget it camera. You turn yeah. it on, you do whatever you're doing, and then you go back and see, well, did I catch it? Did I get you know what I needed? Or um, you know, did you catch that? Is always uh, what you seem to hear around people shooting with the you know the RX zero or the the GoPro line. All right, now here we come to the the advanced compacts. Yeah, these are the ones focal that length. The, the photographers love. Okay. May I have the envelope, please? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're starting with Fuji again. We have the X100F, which is twelve ninety nine. Again, it's a fixed. Uh, it's an APS-C sensor in it. Twenty four megapixels has a twenty three millimeter f two lens, which is equivalent of a thirty five. This is a, a street photography camera, hybrid optical electronic viewfinder, which is terrific. Parallax correction and electronic finder. Uh, best for auto. Great for autofocus. High ISO over 51,000, eight frames a second, the whole deal. It's, uh, it's a great little camera. And the X70 also, uh, that is a 28 millimeter equivalent, 18 and a half F2.8. And these are $700. Uh, and they got all the stuff that you'd want to have in a real camera, including slow-mo video. Um, what do you have here? Any thoughts on those two? Well... With the Fuji um, fixed focal lengths, I'm I'm a little more controversial with these because I don't like having a fixed focal length camera. Mm -hmm. If you have the option for $1,300 to buy a camera from Fuji or Sony or anybody where you have 100 lens options to choose from, you could buy a Fuji, you know, I don't remember the price, um, but you could buy like an XE3 mm -hmm. for maybe 900 bucks right. and then have all the Fuji lenses available to XT20, you that, uh, and yeah, to yeah. tailor it. So for me personally, every time a customer comes up to the counter and they always want to see the X100F or the previous versions, the T, yeah. they'll go all over it, they'll look at it, they'll try it out, and then they'll say, well, what do you think? And I'm like, <laughs> well, you've asked. So um, I always just say, like, why with all the options available in the world now with digital photography, why would you put yourself in like a mm. single gear bike. Right. You know, why would you do it when you could do all it's these other analogy, things? That's a good analogy though. That is How actually, many people yeah. are buying fixies now? Lots of people, right. you know? Yeah. But it does speak to the point and shoot mentality and, and the street photographer mentality. There's also a discipline no to shoot. it. Yeah. You don't mm -hmm. want to have all of these choices. And by the way, there is the prime difference almost all the time between a zoom lens. In other words, you have two cameras, same except one is fixed and one has a zoom. 
usually the fixed lens camera will have a faster aperture, lens, yeah. faster aperture. You can yep. shoot on the Almost lower always. light, okay, and will focus closer mm -hmm. and respond quicker because of both all of these little factors. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and again, there's a discipline to it. Right. And another thing you have here, I mean, a good example would be, and we're jumping ahead a little bit of the Sony, where is it? The um, RX1? The RX1, yeah, the RX1 R Model 2. Now, this is a full-frame camera. It's tiny. It's a size. It's smaller than most point-and-shoots that we talked about here today. It has a fixed 35-millimeter <laughs> f2 lens. <laughs> okay? Um, however, keep in mind, it has a 42-megapixel sensor. You can crop the Dickens out of that thing. So even though it's a 35-millimeter, you can crop deeply into that and get mm -hmm. a nice, tight, headshot out of that or yeah. a distant landscape and still have enough meat on the bones of that file to be able to knock out a nice 11 by 14 or even 1620 print if it's processed properly. Oh, yeah. Uh, and ISO 102,000 and RAW and everything else that goes along. Yeah, and also, row. another thing I'll mention about this camera is that when they designed the original version, this is what the third, I think, variation of third generation of it, the lens... For this camera was designed specifically for this process, the, uh, the, the sensor. sensor. It's matched. Even yeah. wide aperture, shall we, the edges are just amazingly clean mm -hmm. and sharp. So what you have here is a highly optimized imaging tool. Yeah. And that's, so, yeah. And that's another thing that speaks to the fixed focal length options. Mm -hmm. You know, you get such a tailored yeah. sensor, processor, lens, you know, Aperture, it's all just tailor-made for this camera, and it does its job very, very well. Mm -hmm. um, it's just not for me. For the price of a D850, yeah. I can get so oh, many other things. You. Yeah, you know, I, I, this, this, this camera, camera is, is, is $3,300, <laughs> then we can t compare it to the Leica Q, which is like $1,000 more, if not Even more. more. Yeah. And it's, again, a fixed 28-millimeter F1.7 with a 24-megapixel. Uh, sensor. It is a great camera. I've shot with both of these cameras. I mm -hmm. love them both. They're terrific. I could be happy with both of those and travel the now, world. Who's going to buy yeah. these cameras? That's a good question. I mean, uh, uh, they're, yeah. Who buys these? Well, um, <laughs> of these, of the, uh, let's say those two, the Leica Q and, and the, the RX1. R. Well, the Fuji 100F is the most popular yeah. of these uh, on the list. Yeah. But between those two, uh, can I say I've never sold an RX1? I don't know anybody from me at the counter who's actually bought one. Um, nobody even asks. A lot of people don't know about the yeah. RX1, the RX10. They just it's a, it's don't seem eclectic. to hear about it. It's, a, it's, it's I, out there. I, I, I would, that's kind of my point. I mean, not that mm -hmm. they don't sell, but it's kind of an elite product. No, right. it's a, it's, If you're coming to it, you know that item. you really want it, yeah. usually. Yeah. Uh, the Leica Q just has the... The sensation of the Leica point-and-shoot, yeah. yeah. it's a super expensive point-and-shoot. It's made in Germany. It's a real Leica, mm -hmm. whereas a lot of right. the Leica point-and-shoots he was mentioning, they're Panasonic cameras. Now, I'm not Panasonic, but if you're thinking you're buying a hand-built German camera, you're not. Here you are. Now, how about the Ricoh, the GR? Because that is kind of the the poor person's version of these cameras, no? Uh, not to use that phrase, but, you know, I mean, if you want to get... It's the, it's the uh, Toyota uh, Supra. Of the uh, um, uh, okay, <laughs> so that's such a car. I never heard of that. Car. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. It's a hot little car. Yeah, it's actually I think the most stolen car amongst the sport coupes, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Okay. Yes, um, yeah. The Rico is yeah. very popular. Um, I think because of that, because the price it's half or less the price mm -hmm. of many of these. Um, 
sometimes much less, uh, thousands less even, and it lets you get a fixed focal length camera tailor-made for this little camera body. It's a mm -hmm. lot smaller too. Right. Um, and for that sensor, uh, so it works really also well. Also very basic design. I mean, yeah. Spartan. You it know, gives yeah. you what you're looking for um, from all of these without the like a name and price, without the Sony, you know, excess of features and much higher price. Um, if you want a simple fixed focal length camera, that's mm -hmm. the one that you'll get. Uh, because By the way, these, these cameras also, this heritage goes back to the film days. People were buying Ricos for the same reason before digital even came around. They made small cameras that were really good, wide angle lens, the whole thing. So they, they've had a following for yeah. a while here. Yeah. yeah, and the people that buy them love them, right? I mean, oh, it's yeah. kind of a, a little cult around them. And that's the thing with, with almost all of these. Everybody who gets you know the Fuji or the Leica or the Sony or the Ricoh, uh, is it Ricoh or Ricoh? I don't know. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> They they swear by it, yeah. and and I've noticed that kind of as a brand with Fuji specifically, everybody who goes Fuji never goes back. Yeah. Um, just like with Pentax, you'll see a Pentax shooter every other year. They'll come in one new lens, and they never see them again because mm. they're out there using. And it, invariably, their belt buckles are Pentax belt buckles too. I've noticed. Yeah, <laughs> How come Pentax they go doesn't have any point in. and shoots. They should put out a point and shoot. No. Pentax? One, they, they do. A, they have a, a Lux version of a point-and-shoot? Oh, no. No, they don't. Not a high-end. No. No. Not a high-end, okay. no. All right. Those Qs were really popular, though. Like a, or yeah. the Pentax. By the way, the, the, um, they make terrific little underwater cameras, too. Mm -hmm. uh, with the microscope, uh, they've got little LEDs around the lens ports. You yeah. can go right in and do... That's the Ricoh. Like, yeah. The Ricoh, yeah. which is yeah, Pentax. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, no, no, We didn't mention it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are but good. I've used those, yeah. It looks like a bow tie. It's kind of a goofy-looking camera. Yeah, interesting design. But yeah. that camera also uh, has some wonderful features, mm -hmm. and it's not expensive. Mm -hmm. And again, it's waterproof yeah. uh, and everything else. I, yeah, I'm, I've left that off this list here. Yeah, that I remember. And I've used those too, and they're they're good. Yeah, they're they go they're goofy looking, but I think people like that. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, I especially that was the first camera. Okay, speaking of to, goofy uh, looking, the Sigma yeah. DPS. Let's oh, talk about yes. those. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I yes. love those cameras, uh, <laughs> but I don't know who buys them. But, Nobody. Uh, no, come on, <laughs> don't say that. Uh, there will yeah. be one guy every season who wants to come in and see one and, uh -huh. then, and then he leaves. These yeah. are the same Without people it. that buy and drive Citrons, those French cars uh -huh. that look kind of weird, yeah. look like uh -huh. giant pumpkin seeds. Yeah, no, um, yeah. That's that's their customer. Mm. Well, they have the Fovian sensors. I mean, they, they, they make great, great images. I've, you know, yeah. They actually do. They're right. incredible cameras. It they just, should be performing better than they do. Yeah. They're selling better. Yeah, it's an odd thing. But they're very odd. So, but, but then again, you know, uh, uh, daguerreotypes are also extremely fine-grained. <laughs> People don't seem to bother with them too much. But. So I guess the, the takeaway <laughs> from this is there's some great cameras in the point-and-shoot. It's, it's not totally forgotten. And there's a range of applications yeah. for them. It's not just – point-and-shoot is like – it's really limiting yeah. to, to call it that yeah. because there really is a camera for just about – every single need you have from the highest end, highest quality, image quality, to cameras you can trash, to cameras that will go everything from ultra wide to ridiculous telephoto. And like anything, if you use them right, if you get the gear that you need around them, you can do whatever you want. I mean, uh, let's I mean maybe, I, maybe with a few exceptions. I've but. owned a lot of cameras and I, I, you know, I can't even count how many cameras each of us have used here, especially working here. And I don't think I've ever had a camera that I would say is absolutely perfect. Yeah, there's always a trade-off. Yeah. Everything in photography Figure, what is fundamental. Your yeah, what is your prior? What do I need it to do and what can I live without? Well, I know that the G-Series cameras, Canons, and I'm talking 
2004, 2005, it kind of reinvented things for me. I really loved using those cameras yeah. and that flip out screen and the ease and it started a whole new thing for me mm -hmm. that, that I can say. Casualness, just to be able to just go out and take but pictures. But it, it helped me, it helped me improve my photography. So, you know, that's what I'll leave it at. Chris, if you had to say of these cameras we've spoken about, what are the three or four bestsellers? Bestsellers, uh, it always I comes... I mean, this is unscientific, but you know. Yeah, well, yeah, based on But what, we're going to hold you to it. What we, uh, right. <laughs> um, based on what we see at the store, mm -hmm. it's, it's always Sony. Sony's really running away with a lot of markets lately. Mm -hmm. um, the RX100 gives you the small, small point-and-shoot with insane quality, even from the version 1 through version 5. The, um, the mid-range is still mostly populated with Canon, it seems, with all those uh, power shots, mm -hmm. the G3X, 5X, 7, 9, all of those uh, going up. From each category, the best... Um, Small point and shoot, everybody at the counter says RX100. Mm -hmm. Pick your number, but it's the 100. Um, then once you go up to the bridge and super zooms, it's it used to be the Nikon P900 yeah. um, that went to 2,000 millimeter. Mm -hmm. But now Sony's one-upped them, and they have the RX10 Mark IV now. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's much more money, but it is the most powerful one. So mm -hmm. we'll probably still sell both because one is around like five or 600 with Nikon. The other is what fourteen, fifteen hundred. We'll also keep one thing that's important: the Sony has a one-inch sense, which is a lot larger than the P nine hundred sense, which is yeah. what about a third of the size. So the the yeah, image quality resolving power is far different on the Sony. Yeah, they're different. Yeah, categories almost. It's probably fair to say that it's the sensor size that maybe the improvements we're going to see in in point and shoots. And it, it's going to be good to come back to this topic next year to see where point and shoots. Mm -hmm. Have gone. It'll be interesting because okay, if they do keep getting bigger, then the lenses get bigger too. Yeah. Um, and they're probably going to keep getting the apertures wider. You know, and then so the cameras get bigger. It's right. going to be interesting to see how they beat the physics of it and and get these. Well, they're already playing around with liquid lenses, lenses that yeah. themselves can physically change. The elements could reformulate themselves depending on what you need. So there's a lot of stuff we're going to be seeing that's going to be crazy. Mm -hmm. Really. And is. then as far as the most popular. Rugged camera, it's the Olympus mm -hmm. every time. I mm -hmm. have the TG2, mm -hmm. now they're doing the TG5. It's um, it's always been them just because they have the best lens, the best aperture, the um, yeah. more professional features. Files. They do a lot of great stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. really taking it seriously, yeah. and they're just offering the best uh, yeah. in that lineup. And then once you get to the really high end with Leica, Fuji, um, it really goes to Fuji then yeah, the with Fuji, the X100. X100. They've been series. super popular yeah. for that whole series. So there you go. Point and shoot cameras, everything that's out there. Um, Chris, can you tell us a little bit again about your uh, your Instagram site, what you're doing, and how people can get to it and everything about it? Yeah, I've been um, just this year since uh, the beginning of the year, I've been running an Instagram account that's basically your place to go online for any photography questions. I have thousands of uh, photographers asking me everything under the sun that we get in the store. I'm basically taking the B&H uh, store experience home with me online and letting people just send me messages or, or write in a comment. You know, I, I've had people even on the spot, like, I'm on my way to shoot at my high school. What settings should I use in my camera because I'm shooting the game tonight? You know, and I'm like, okay, well, set this to this, put your aperture there and put your ISO at that and, you know, and just kind of give them the best setup. But everybody's asking everything that we get in the store. They're asking about what camera should I get, what lens should I buy, 
Um, and are you available for people whenever they at all hours? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've proudly been saying um, that I've been able to respond to every single message I get. I dare people to give me too many messages because I would love to just be able to help more and more people. And um, the biggest thing that I do on Instagram is the live stream that I've been doing all year where I'll just go live and say, this is your uh, ask me anything. It's your open Q&A. Um, ask a photographer whatever you need. And uh, I don't get stumped often just like at the store. And uh, even if I do, I say, okay, well, I don't know enough about, you know, building a computer to process your images. So I'll ask somebody I know at the store about computers and get send me a message. You. I'll get back to you. How often yeah. you do that, the live? Um, it's been up and down throughout the year because I've been doing different projects with mm -hmm. it. So now um, it's been kind of more limited. I've been doing about once a week um, because I'm working on also moving to YouTube and iTunes with mm -hmm. a podcast version. Um and making a bit more of a platform for everything. So it's about building uh, a community of photographers helping photographers, not hoarding your best secrets and not ridiculing, you know, everybody and ridiculing else. other people, tearing down their images. Because yeah. we're all photographers as long as we take pictures. To what degree you're a photographer, you might not be a wedding photographer, but you might be a travel photographer. It doesn't make you any more or less a photographer. And that's a big thing that I'm doing to make sure that everybody feels like they have a place to go to ask questions and get answers and not feel afraid to ask. All right, where do they find you on Instagram? It'll be on Instagram at Lens Therapy Live. Lens Therapy Live. Mm -hmm. Visit it. By the way, I, I got to throw in a little plug here. If You're listening to uh, Chris just uh, rattle off all this stuff and you say to yourself, how does he know all these things? How, you know, what makes him such an expert? I have to tell you that if you work at B&H Photo and you're in sales, Four days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we have multiple trainings in a separate training facility here at B&H that our sales personnel are required to go through for all products. And not only do they have to sit there and listen to the demos and, and pick up the equipment and really know it, they actually are tested. There are quizzes afterwards that they have to pass in order to remain out on the floor, so if you come into our store, and mind you that we have, it's a huge store, and if I'm not mistaken, the average Sunday, we have at least 10,000 people come through here. And if you're in an environment like that where you are being constantly questioned and having your brains picked to pieces and you're being trained like this, you have the answers. And I think that's what makes B&H just a Step ahead of everybody else. And Christopher, you're just the perfect example of, you know, what makes this place so special and different. And we all are real happy to work here. Well, thank you. So, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm up for review next week. So I'm really just spreading this out real Laid it good. On thick. Okay, all right. <laughs> but thank you. I really appreciate that. Every person who steps up to the counter has a totally different story and has oh, yeah. different needs. Mm -hmm. And you got to listen to that story and say, okay. Here's what you need. Here's right. what we have. Yeah. Here's what you need, and here's what you don't need. Uh huh. And yes. Why? Yeah. 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 We should bring mics to the to the counter one day and oh, just yeah. podcast from there. But uh, I think we're going to start instituting tests here, Alan. So you better uh, oh, be prepared. I had, to I had to open my mouth. <laughs> Sheesh. Now I'm going to actually have to do my homework before each show. Oh God, I hate this. Anyway, thank you, Christopher Williams. And it again, it's Lens Therapy Live on Instagram. Check it out. Um, and if again, if you're not a subscriber, head over to uh, Google Play, Player FM, Stitcher, Radio Public, uh, or iTunes, or our homepage. Sign up. It's absolutely free. And also, we are coming up on 100 episodes, and we are going to be having 
a really amazing uh, sweepstakes giveaway here. We got some serious stuff. Should I mention what it is or not yet? I'd wait. But... I'm wait. You, you have to wait. Let's say we have some real serious hardware to give away to our listeners. So subscribe, go and do so. In the meantime, on behalf of Christopher, Jason, John, and myself, thank you so much for tuning in today. 